What's up, Mire? <laughs> hey, Fede. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I We were just listening to this great song, Caracas en el 2000. What do you think um, about the song? It's, it's really, really good. But it also, that's the point where you realize that I'm not from Caracas. I'm from Maracaibo. I know, funny. I know. <laughs> the, I was confused when you asked me if... if that video was recorded in my high school. I was like, no, I'm not even from that city. <laughs> but, Listen. but it's a hey, it's a Venezuelan anthem right now, which is which is very good. I know. Shout out to all my Venezuelans listening. We love exactly. you guys. Exactly. We hope you had arepas for breakfast. Yeah, I miss a good arepa. I'll have some in December, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but actually, before talking about Caracas in el 2000, how was the event? in Houston, was it? Yeah. So I actually came back from Houston, like what, three days ago right now at this point. But we did this incredible Musica Mexicana event in this beautiful beer garden for like 700, 750 fans. It was called La Tierra del Corrido. We had some of the best and some of the biggest and some of the emerging talent uh, in Corridos and the fans were hyped. It was it was incredible. So. So I, I so I, I'm on record as saying that I'm not quite into me, música mexicana yet, and I don't quite get it. So I'm intrigued. Is it mostly like Mexicans in Mexico, and then like maybe Mexicans in the U.S. or Central Americans in the U.S. are listening to this type of music? What's like kind of like the geographical segmentation? Because I still I'm I'm still like I'm wondering if I'm like the only dude that's not into it. I think you haven't heard the right songs. I'm gonna send no. You I've heard them all. Like like, like everybody Chino has Paca, a música mexicana song. Those are my like. They, I mean, they all have a musica mexicana. Some Bad Bunny has one, Shakira has one, okay, Camilo okay, has one. Okay, but, but I mean, I'm talking about Corrido specifically. You might like any type of musica mexicana that has like a twist of pop. I'll send you some songs and see. Okay. But what's interesting about it is, I don't know exactly the number to tell you like where people, you know, if people are more Mexican or more Brazilian. Definitely not Brazilian, actually, but. <laughs> One thing that you should realize is that actually this genre has become global and has been number one globally multiple times throughout this year, 2023. So it's it's a sound that's kind of sending borders, even though it's like, okay, like Mexican-Americans, Mexicans, you have Colombians, you have probably Argentinians, you have people from all around the world listening. If not, it wouldn't become a number one. That's um, Number one song so many times, like especially Peso Pluma, Nathanael Cano, those guys have been top five, top 10 constantly throughout the year, really taking the genre to another level. So it's, I know you don't, you're not a huge fan yet, but I think it's going to grow on you. Just, just give it another minute and give it another song to try. Take a minute to acknowledge the fact that you worked on the campaign for Bad Bunny's new album release. How was this, what is this? What is this? Is this, a, this is, Mire, you're, you're, you've always been the MVP of Boteco Talk. So, so keep on, so tell us more. I mean, I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? It was, it was really. How was? What was the best thing about working with Bad Bunny, with Benito? Don't put me on the spot. That man is uh, is a piece of work. I will say, he I'm didn't sure. want us to mention anything about his album or his name on the campaign. So I don't know if you guys caught on to this, but a week ish or ten days before the album actually came out, we put some out of homes in New York, Mexico City, L.A., and a few other cities, saying nobody knows. What's gonna, no, nobody know. I don't remember what it said exactly. Nobody knows when it's happening. So a message like that using the hashtag Nadie Sabe. 
And we Ooh. never mentioned Bad Bunny. We never mentioned an album. And people caught on there. were like, Spotify is saying Bad Bunny's going to have a new album. So it was really exciting that we were able to see the conversation without even mentioning him and tease the album before he did or before anyone did. So big, big success for us, but it was definitely a hard campaign to work on. That's awesome. Congratulations. I'll get, I'll Anyways, I feel like I feel like we should get into the topic because it has been the Mika party now, but let's get to it. All right, let's go into far less interesting but no less important topics around finance. So one topic that we've mentioned before is about compensation and how is it that we should view compensation because I think the default is just to look at salary, but the reality is that total compensation has both quantitative and qualitative factors that have to be considered anytime you take on a new job. And I think exploring that in more detail is, is super interesting. So I want to start off just Mire, like give us your two cents on what keeps you at Spotify. What are some of these kind of values that you appreciate and make you want to be part of the company? Great question, Fede. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I've been at Spotify for five years. I don't, I don't even want to rank them because that would be unfair. I think the first thing that always comes to mind is just like the passion for the mission, the passion for what I do. I love working with music. I love being able to provide fans with incredible experience like the Musica Mexicana one last week. Um, so, and I work with people that are passionate. So that keeps me motivated. That keeps me excited. That keeps me looking forward to what I want to do next, uh, which is like honestly incredible. And I know I'm lucky to be able to say that. Um, I think that's number one. I Number two, perhaps, even though I said I wasn't going to order them, um, it's the learning curve and growth. So I started at Spotify five years ago, like I mentioned, as like an artist label partners coordinator. And I've been able to grow now. Like, you know, I've been, I've changed teams. I've gotten promoted. Now I'm on the music marketing team. So I'm always learning something new. It's not something that it's given to you. It's something that you have to work hard for, but those opportunities are there. Um, and Daniel even says like every two years you should either, either get promoted or do like do a new project or Daniel teams. being the CEO, Daniel Leck, my Daniel boy. Leck, yeah. Your He's boy. Um, so that's number two. Then I think overall benefits the, right now, this week it's wellness week at Spotify. No one's Ooh. working. How I know. Nice. I know. <laughs> How romantic. Nice, right? Very romantic. <laughs> I mean, we work really hard. I work crazy hours. So it's been, it's like a very nice benefit to have. And of course, salary stocks, there's so many things to it. Um, so it's, it's overall like, such an amazing place to be and I'm not to even say flexibility I can work from anywhere depends on the team that you're on but in my situation I can do what I'm doing now which is you know I just moved to my parents place and I'm gonna travel and work from Miami and so saving on rent saving on rent once again bold move I know I know Fede, can you believe it good for you um, no so, that's that's yeah. all great and and I think I, I think it's very interesting because obviously benefits and, and compensation is is important but a lot of what you've mentioned is more qualitative than quantitative which i think it's very different to at least how i started off my career and what i value when i started off versus now and so i think it's very interesting to hear your perspective 
I mean, it's also been like five years, right? When I originally got the job, of course, like salary was a big deal, but also I wanted to learn. When you're starting your career, yeah. I, not everyone's lucky to be in banking like you were. You know, my first job, I was getting paid before Spotify. I was getting paid like $35,000. And obviously, I wasn't going to the job for the money, right? So you have to choose your battles when you're not uh, in banking or a software engineer. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. What about you? What about you? Tell me about what you think is important and how you think through it. Yeah. So I think, again, it's one of those exercises that really evolves. When, when I started off, in my career, I was really just solving for, I, it was probably just compensation one. So pay and, and benefits. The people I worked with, I enjoyed the people who I worked with. I think my compensation afforded me a lifestyle that I wanted to have. When I was a 22-year-old in New York and just wanted to have fun and travel, and it really allowed me to do... Investment banker vibes. Well, not investment. Banker. Well, I wasn't an investment banker. Financial, but... financial advisor vibes. <laughs> I guess. Um, no, so it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I I was able to meet a lot of great people and, and have a great experience. I also enjoyed very much the excitement of the markets. I was always into um, politics and the intersection between politics and economics and how it affects markets. Oh, so I, I think that, that was, all, so I combined a lot of my interests, but I will say that most of what I prioritized was qualitative. So now, I think what I, when I went into the start that I am now, those things that I valued were very different. So obviously, my salary took a significant, significant cut. So I valued a lot more, say, upside in the company, meaning having equity that could have outsized outcomes, which even though I had restricted stock units at, at JP Morgan, which we'll get into more detail on what exactly that is, it wasn't necessarily going to be kind of life-changing equity. Um, right now, I have a lot more flexibility, which, to your point, it's key. I, I can work remote a lot more. I see my family for more days in the year, which is, which is super important. Right now, I, have, I feel like I have more responsibility in my, my actions. I can see the impact of what I do a lot more clearly. So I think kind of that struggle grind of being in a startup in a really challenging environment just makes it a lot more interesting. So I think w I've evolved a lot more in that even though obviously learning and growing is the key to it all, it's definitely become a lot more qualitative and, and quantitative in terms of the benefits that, that I get from, from my current experience. Yeah, but I will say, though, I want to put a twist on this. I feel like you also made this decision to do the switch because of, like, the personal life experience that it was going to bring you, right? So sure. I almost think, like, these um, compensation or these priorities came because you were you wanted to do such a life, like, more personal life change, too. For sure. And I think it's one of those things where I think you have to be very clear on what it is that you're sacrificing, what are the risks and the rewards. Like I knew when I, for example, when I sacrificed salary, I knew exactly what I stood to gain staying at JP Morgan for a couple more years. Like I knew if I, if I stayed for another one, two, three years, then my total comp would be X, an X range. Um, so it's one of those things I think you have to just put the numbers in front of you and, and just yeah. be honest with yourself and see if that's something that you're willing to sacrifice. Right. Priorities. Exactly. Exactly. So, 
I want to get a little bit deeper into like compensation packages yeah. and what what exactly do you mean, right? Like we're throwing this word out there, compensation packages, but we're not giving specifics. Like what do you mean when you say that and how do you balance out all of these different benefits that you can get when you either change your job or when you're changing jobs internally or whatever it is? Yeah. So I think the best way to answer that is probably just going a little bit deeper into the quantitative value of any kind of job and how I, I would divide it in, call it three, in three forms. One, you have your base salary. Two, you have performance bonuses. And then three, you have benefits, I think are the main drivers. In terms of salary, it's pretty straightforward. You get your annual salary, depending on the state that you're in, your net salary might be more or less, like Florida doesn't have income taxes, New York does. So there's some definitely some considerations there. Number two, you have performance bonuses, which I think it's kind of probably what's most difficult to quantify because yeah. this might be in the form, for example, of cash bonuses, um, restricted stock units, so equity in the company. You can have mm -hmm. equity stock options, which are options to own stock in the company. This one, I think we should get into more detail because it's a little bit more tricky to quantify, but mm -hmm. probably the kind of the X factor of any a job that you take. And then number three is benefits, right? Pay time off, sick days. In the last episode, we mentioned the importance of having a 401k. You have healthcare plans, parental leave if eventually this is something that you see in your near future. I think all these benefits, again, are super important to keep in mind um, whenever you're making kind of that consideration. Right. So something I wanted to ask is like at Spotify, I don't, we don't get, at least on my team, performance bonuses. But when I was promoted or when I joined a company, I did receive equity. Um, I know there's like, and then you receive the options of choosing RSUs. You can go with options. You can choose cash. How do you approach each of those and what's the difference between them? Yeah. So actually I'm intrigued. Can you, can you just walk us through how was, so what were the options afforded to you when you got these, call it, RSUs or options or cash bonus offer when you were promoted? I know that, for example, in banking, every year you usually get a cash bonus and RSUs, uh, which are restricted stock units again. And how was your experience? And then how do you go about analyzing them? And then I can go into more oh details. I, I wish, I wish we had both Peco Talks at a time, honestly. Um, so basically they give you like X number. So let's say they give you $10,000 that's going to vest. So it's going to be available for you throughout a period of four years. So you don't get that money right away. That's for restricted stock units, right? I think in general, or maybe I'm okay. wrong. I don't we'll know. We'll go into it later. Um, cash and then cash they, usually is a one-time disbursement. So I don't think so. Okay. You're probably <laughs> right. You're probably right. Um, so Okay, so they give you this amount and then you get to choose if you want to choose cash, like you mentioned, RSUs, restricted stock units, which I would love for you to define for our fans. And then um, o OP is it OPM? I don't even know. ATM, a a ATM or OPM? at the money, at the money options. Okay. At the money options or OPM. OTM, which is out of OTM, the money options. Out of the money options, guys. I'm still trying to figure this out. Um, so they give you I, they, all I will the say, they don't make it easy. They don't make it easy for they you, okay? They really don't. I saw, and I was like, I have no clue what this means. 
Um, basically, I actually asked around like a few of my coworkers who had been through a similar situation. And the way I was thinking about it is like, how much am I willing to risk? Some of them are riskier than others, right? Like when you get cash, that's going to be no risk. You just get the money as is. But RSUs or the options, it depends on the stock market, how the stock fluctuates, and what like what's what what's it called the strike price when you get those stocks also influences it. So because in that time I didn't need money, so it wasn't like I was trying to buy a house or I needed additional income at the moment. I decided to go with the riskier option to help me grow my portfolio, I guess, long term. Also because like I believe in Spotify. I think what we're doing is amazing. And hey. Q3 earnings just came out. We're doing great. So Banger earnings. I, I love that 10% pop in the stock. I appreciate it. Exactly. So like I was kind of like betting on the stock growing. Mm -hmm. um, so I went with like a riskier option. I think I did 50% RSUs and 50% options. Yeah. No, that's great. So I will say I think you understand the dynamics around this a lot more than you give yourself credit for especially with some of the jargon that you just toss out there. So uh, I'll <laughs> give, I will give you credit for that, but no. So I think that that makes sense. So let me just give kind of like a brief overview of what they are. So you're right, cash. And I will say cash bonuses are one-time disbursements. So they don't have a vesting schedule. So you get that immediately, but those are usually taxed at your ordinary income rate. So that means that the taxes that are withdrawn from that 10,000 call it are immediate. So you're probably, somewhere call it a 30% tax rate. So if you get a $10,000 cash bonus, you will only receive seven and those three in taxes, those $3,000 you pay in taxes will be withdrawn. Now, in terms of the other options, they are more risky because they have actual market risk, meaning that one, the value in them will fluctuate based on the Spotify stock price. And then in the case, for example, of RSUs, which are restricted stock units, they have a vesting schedule, as you mentioned. What is vesting? Vesting just means that you don't own these stocks immediately. You have a four-year vesting period, which means that whatever you are awarded in stocks, you will get, if it's a four-year vesting period, you'll get 148th of the stocks every month. So every month you get a little piece up until four years. But if you leave Spotify, say two years in, you forfeit those two years worth of stock options or stock units that you were uh, awarded at that time. So there is kind of a liquidity constraint. There is stock uh, fluctuations in terms of the value that eventually they are. There is a tax benefit that you don't get taxed on it immediately. You only get taxed at the time that they vest, which is a benefit. That's right. So and if you did if you did cash, you'd be taxed. Every time exactly. you get the money. Yeah. Immediately, which is that one-time disbursement. RSUs right. are only taxed at the time of vesting. And then that leads to the, to, the, to the stock options. So at the money stock options mean that the strike price of the option, which means the price at which you purchase the share, right, mm -hmm. um, is where whenever the stock is at a time that these options are issued. So let's give an example. I believe Spotify now is at 170. Let me check that quickly. 167. 167. Okay, so Spotify is at 167. If you were to be issued, actually 161 today. Okay, market just opened. So it's at 161. And let's call it 160. So if you were to be issued at the money options today, 
your strike price would be 160. So yeah. if Spotify at the time options have an expiry date, which means that they expire at say one year from now, X date from now. So let's say one year from now, Spotify is worth 100. That option is worth zero because your strike price is 160, which is when you would buy the stock. And it doesn't make sense to buy a stock at 160 that's worth 100. Now, right. let's think about the alternate scenario. You believe in Spotify. The market believes in Spotify. You guys perform. And then the stock is worth $200. So if you were to go out in the market and buy Spotify stock, you would pay $200 a share. In the case of your options, since they're, they're striked at 160 you're paying 160 So essentially at that moment you have a delta or a difference between where the stock is trading then and where your options have the strike price of $40. So that $40 is yeah. your gain. In the right. case of Automat, so is that clear? I don't know, was I able to explain no, myself there? It's clear, it's super clear. And I think what happened to me is when I joined, I had mostly options. Yeah. And they were, I think they were at like 160. And by the time they expired, I had sold some, but when they expired, they were like three, it was 320. So I basically exactly. lost a ton of, I didn't lose money, but I didn't 320. make any money. No, so there was, the strike no. was 320 and then yes. they were, it was at 160. So those options yes, were worth exactly. correct. Exactly. Correct. There you go. Correct. So that's, so that's okay, the risk that about, you take. That's the risk yeah. that you take. Um, but it's all, it's part of, yeah, it is what it is type of thing. What, what about the other options? So out of the money options, so the option works the same. So it's the same, by the way, I don't want to get into, too into the weeds, but what you own is a call option, which gives you the right to purchase a share at X strike price, right? You have the okay. optionality. You it's own called the a option. call option? It's called a call option, yes. So call you, option. Okay. Call option. So you can now roll into the office and be like, oh, I exercise my call option. Yeah. Uh, so when it's out of the money, it means that the strike price is higher than where the stock is trading. So let's use the same example. Right now it's trading at 160. If you got out of the money options, right, it can be X percent out of the money. Let's I think it's 150%. One, 150%? Okay, so that yeah. means that it's 50% higher than where it's trading today. So if it's trading at 160, 50% higher is $80 higher. So your strike price would be $240, which means that that option only has value at the time of expiry if it's trading above $240. So in one year from now, let's say the stock option is one year from now and the stock is trading as 200, that option is worth zero. One year from now, Spotify is trading at 300. Well, then the difference between 300 and 240, which is $60, that's what it's worth. So what's the benefit of doing this one? Of doing options? Yeah, or so the one fifty percent higher options. So the the good thing about the options or the either the out of the money or the at the money options is it might be more tax efficient. So you will only actually buy the share, for example, if it's to your benefit. If not, it will be it will expire worthless and basically to no cost to you, either by way of purchasing the share or taxes. So it's definitely a lot more risky, but. Yeah. You do I mean, you have, have to, some potential gains that outweigh them. I wonder if they give you more if you choose at the money versus. So I don't. I don't know. Like little side so, note, I don't know why they call it ATM or OTM. It makes no sense. It's 
Yeah, I, I, I they should it do a better no job sense. explaining it. They should be. I mean, <laughs> I think once you kind of understand options, it makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, I agree. They don't make it easy for you. So hopefully, when people are analyzing what to do now, they understand a little bit better. And if there's obviously if there's any questions about kind of RSUs and vesting schedules, for example, in my case, I work at a private company. I have a cliff, which basically means that I only start vesting after X date. Usually, it's one year. So I have to wait at least one year to vest part of my of my options. So there's a lot that goes into this, but the important thing, and I think the key takeaway here is you need to understand kind of the riskiness of each one, and options being the most risky, cash being the less risky, but maybe the le- the less the least tax efficient when analyzing some of these options, because in the end, owning equity in the business is owning equity in any business is the key to building long-term wealth. Okay, amazing. And I have a follow-up question for that. So I know we talk about diversifying portfolios in the past. You're a big fan of S&P 500. So I'm wondering if you think for someone like me, right? Like, does it make sense to keep the stocks? So let's say I have some RSUs that vested, they're sitting on my E-Trade. Should I keep them or should I sell them and invest somewhere else? So I think you're going to hate my answer because I always say it, but I, it's a very personal decision. And I, what are the variables that I think you should consider? I, I would say two. One, and most importantly, what percentage of your, of your net worth are these stock options and RSUs worth? If it's, if it's the majority of your net worth, you're overly concentrated, you're not properly diversified, and you should probably sell some of, of this exposure to Spotify. Number two, your liquidity needs. Uh, I mean, I think if you don't need the liquidity and you can absorb, I would say liquidity needs and risk. If you don't need the liquidity and at your age you can take on more risk, then you can probably afford to be a little bit over-concentrated more than maybe suggested um, because you believe in the company. So I think it, so it's, so in, in your case, I know we went through these values the other day. I think yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not like 80% of your net worth is in Spotify stock. That would yeah. be problematic because like you saw last year, the stock was down, I think maybe 40, 50%. Yeah. And you don't want to, you want to make sure that your net worth doesn't go down by that same amount. Okay. That makes sense. And I mean, actually, I think it's super interesting. I, I do want to touch upon this point briefly because it's super important. You made a lateral move, which include, which required you to do research in terms of like salary ranges, compensation, how was how was it for you to get all that information and, and navigating kind of the internal job process? Yeah, um, great question. I think for me specifically, I always talk about salary transparency, and I know like I feel even like you know already like a hypocrite talking about that here. But the thing that I've always like championed with a lot of my coworkers is being able to talk about salary between each other so that we can better understand, okay, like, am I being paid fairly? Am I, you know, like, am I getting paid similar to other people that are doing the same job or have the same experience as me? So when I actually made the move and the change, I chatted with a lot of my coworkers and a lot of people that were doing similar jobs in other departments as well to be able to kind of like gather that information. And when I did get offered the job, I was hardcore negotiating. 
Nice. To make sure that I was, you know, being compensated fairly. And I was also about to get promoted at my other position. So I had some room um, there to kind of push. But I think for me, it's really about, you know, you can also do research outside of the company. But at the end of the day, because I've been at Spotify for such a long time, they don't really value that for me to tell them, well, like at Apple, someone with the same job gets X amount. Um, so it's really about like doing that internal research and understanding what people that have similar experience are making. Got it. You, you mentioned you did some research on some of these like salary transparency laws. I've, I've heard mixed reviews, but I don't know if you've find them to be, found them to be. Helpful. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think we should definitely discuss it. I don't know if you guys have seen, but a lot of the jobs now are posting, you know, on LinkedIn, you can see a range that you could be making. So let's say you see a job for Airbnb, great example, right? For a marketing manager, the range is 100 to 180K, which, hey, it's great to see the range, but then you're like, okay, is it 100 or 180K? Because that's yeah. going to make a difference. Yeah. So I really think that understanding more what that range means and how you're going to yeah. fall into like, do you fall into the 100K or do you fall into the 180? I mean, I'm definitely, I would fight for the 180 for myself, Yeah. but who's to say, right? So I think there's not a lot of understanding of what the scale really means and what you yeah. need to have done to achieve X, Y, Z in that scale. Yeah. I think that's, the, that has been like the pushback or drawback of a lot of these salary transparency laws that are going on in a lot of states in the U.S., that it's just so wide that it's impossible to really pinpoint what's the exact number. I think, I mean, there were yeah. some job postings I read that it was like a dollar to $200,000. Like, like okay, it was don't that, exaggerate. No, no, I'm not exaggerating. It would it, it, like, it's, I mean, these are probably some bad actors that are acting in bad faith, but it's not too distant from the fact that, I mean, from a hundred to 180, that's an 80% difference if you're at the bottom of the range versus if you're at the top of the range. That's an entirely different job, yeah, right? right? So it's... It's kind of crazy that they're paying kind the of crazy. same person to do the same job Yeah. with Anyways. that difference, right? Um, I wanted to ask you one more question before we wrap it up, which is around... You know, I know we were talking about stocks and like equity in general. Mm -hmm. How do you consider that as part of your overall compensation package or overall salary, right? So like, let's say yeah. I'm making 150 and I have 20K or potential 20K in RSUs. How should I consider that as part of my total salary? Yeah. So again, it's one of those things that's more of an art than a science. Because for example, if you have RSUs, if you've got stock options, that value can fluctuate. Um, I'll give you my example for you. In my case, I have a equity options in a startup. They're so risky that I don't, I value them, but when I think about my total net worth, I don't consider, I don't quantify them into what they're worth because they could be worth a lot of money or they can be worth zero come a couple of years. What I would do is whenever you're quantifying that into your compensation, try to be as conservative as possible. Because yeah. if you start making financial decisions based on a non-existing or non-realized gain, it's when you can get into a little bit of trouble. So I would just err on the yeah. side of caution. But you you do recommend, like for our Boteco fans that are looking to maybe change jobs <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, the, anyways, yes, we, I call them Boteco fans. But okay. let's say they're looking to change jobs or to grow in their in their company should they consider equity as a priority? Again, it, dep 
it depends. I mean, you can't feed your family or sustain your lifestyle with equity. So you, I would prioritize salary, but equities was going to give you the upside to have outsized outcomes in your life. You won't get rich with salary either. Um, yeah. So I, I would definitely consider equity in the prospects of the business as an important variable, a close second. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yes. Why, thank you for answering Why don't you wrap questions. it up for us, Mide? I think there was a lot of good, good information. Hopefully it was helpful to you and, and to our listeners. Yeah. Okay. So key takeaway number one, evaluate both the quantitative and the qualitative values that are important to you when looking at new roles. So whether it be a learning curve, passion, or just the benefits like 401k. Health week, stuff, a one week health, what was it? One week Wellness health week. week. Wellness yes. week. <laughs> I love um, it. And then Set, uh, takeaway number two, consider all of the benefits beyond salary, like stocks, 401k, health insurance, et cetera, when you're looking into your total compensation. So I think to my question, right, like you have your base salary, but there are other benefits that also actually add a lot of um, frizz, a lot of beautiful um, things to, to your total compensation. And, and I will say, Mire, just because I forgot to mention it, well, I did say that equity was a close second. Just going back to our last episode, 401k and retirement plans are super important, especially if you're in a corporate job. It's super important. If you're a startup, you probably, you may or may not have that. But again, let's not underestimate the power of a retirement savings account. Amazing. And that, that brings me to takeaway number three, which is when you're thinking about your compensation packages, definitely consider equity and 401k as priority in your planning, especially for long-term wealth. I think you hit the nail on the head. Mire, thank you for the takeaways. And thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode. Please follow us, rate us at Boteco Talks on Instagram or and on Spotify, Apple, whichever medium you're listening to this on. We will see you next time. Ciao. See you next time. Thank you. Boteco Talks. Talks. Saúde